Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Manny Talks, the podcast where I talk to guys all across the shooting industry, competition, self-defense, all around. Just want to talk to them, get their insides and outs, and have a good time. Tonight, we've got my buddy Joel from Applied Performance Shooting. Um, In my opinion, he's going to be the next up-and-coming level of trainer. Pay attention. Watch out for him. He's got good stuff. Joel, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Good, dude. All good. Excellent. Happy to happy to talk to you. Yep. Um. So I've been following you for a while, and we've talked back and forth for a couple months now, and here and there. Um, you've really helped me in the beginning of my dry fire training and getting into competition. It's quite nice to be able to finally sit down and talk to you about some of these things. So I, I appreciate taking the time out of your day to talk with me. All right. So my first question is, like, where'd you come from? What's your background? What got you into shooting? All right. Uh, so non, non-mill, non-law enforcement, uh, never, never any of that kind of stuff. Um, been uh, into martial arts, boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu for forever, basically, from about the time I was 11 or 12, started getting into that kind of stuff. And a uh, long time before I got into to pistols or, or firearms or, or any of that stuff, uh, really haven't been doing all that very long in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So really the way I got into shooting is I shot skeet at a bachelor party with all my buddies, and uh, they were just better at it. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, this is – I don't like to be – bad at anything so plus it's really fun and honestly that's what started it was all right i'm gonna order a shotgun start shooting skeet having a good time with that just uh at big you know we'd have parties or get togethers or whatever shoot skeet have a good time and then kind of started dabbling with ars and pistols and all this kind of stuff and uh eventually just got really into it and then just started trying to get really good at it on the defensive side of the house, uh, my background as far as like defensive stuff and violence comes from one, martial arts, and then two, uh, for a long time, I, I got into uh, a lot of things that probably weren't so great um, and, and had a, a bit of a rough couple of years doing, doing a lot of bad stuff and just kind of met people that I shouldn't have met and started doing certain things and then that really showed me a lot about violence showed me a lot about uh predatory behavior criminal behavior criminal psychology i just learned a, a ton about that world um and then eventually as i started getting really good at shooting then i'm like okay i can i can start to apply some of that to all that that knowledge of criminal psychology and then and, and violence and start to meld all that together and being in violence, you know, I say something a lot. Of, 60 seconds of fighting for your life will show you more than a lifetime of talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I started seeing this big gap where I was I was going to do some training classes or um, kind of the tactical world and the gunfight stuff. And, and I was seeing this big gap like, what? why are we trying to learn all this stuff at one time? 
Why are we not separating these skills from these skills completely and just learning how to shoot like any other sport? And then we can apply it to whatever we need to later. So mm -hmm. in turn, that's, that's how I came up with the name applied performances, performance shooting applied to everyday carry, competition, you know, military, law enforcement, whatever. And then that just slowly started taking a hold, slowly started teaching people here and there. And next thing you know, it was a thing. Putting it out on YouTube is just my way of uh, kind of giving back to the self or the 2A community and then also just advertising. So mm -hmm. that's about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've helped a lot of people. I mean, you've got what over i know it's not a lot of big number but it's what over two thousand subscribers on youtube right now i last yeah. i looked and you put out a lot of decent a lot of solid content um that a lot p bigger names in the industry are making you pay to get to even see so i mean you're really bringing up the curve on everyone with the youtube and even though it's what you've learned it's you know it's really helping everyone out and bringing up the curve so that people don't have to struggle as hard in the beginning. And I know for mm -hmm. my journey, it was a big struggle when I got into self-defense and even just carrying a gun and even shooting in general. It was a very big pond that you had to wade through and all the bullshit you find, you have to wade through it and you're not one of those sources. You're a source of good knowledge and no BS. And I and others appreciate the no BS. Yeah, that's the that's the hard part when you start out and that's what I saw was man there is so much stuff out there and if we don't isolate it and really uh, have specific things to work on in a specific order then it, it you're just chasing your tail for a long time that's why it takes people 10 years to get good mm -hmm. it should only take a year or two mm -hmm. absolutely and and I when I even talk to buddies um, locally or even on the line, when they when we start talking, I always say shooting is shooting, and we can add tactics, discipline, other skill sets into it. But we need to remember shooting is shooting. We still got to draw the gun. We still got to manipulate it. We still got to be efficient and fast. I mean, and then we got to worry about tactics and scenarios. But it's it's a big thing, and it's a big pond to wade through all right let's see yeah you just don't you can't learn how to how to play a sport all at once you know mm -hmm. you don't just show up and scrimmage or if you're fighting which fighting is fighting mm -hmm. if you break it down four level fighting hand to hand or fighting with guns it's just just fighting mm -hmm. and you can't learn how to fight well by just fighting like going and and you know <laughs> getting your uh, getting your butt kicked over and over and over again, it'll teach you some things, but there's there's a much better way to learn if we separate, isolate skills. Yes, and 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 in shooting, isolating those skills. I mean, down to the minutia and down to the the micro drill, just like any other sport. You don't teach a guy to do layups all day in a in a game. You we do right. layup drills and everything. I mean. Where his feet's gonna be, how he's gonna put his arms up, and and I don't know much about basketball, but still, I know that we got to break it down. <laughs> right. Every it, sport is the same. Every athletic endeavor, you know, mm -hmm. shooting is no different. Right. Just because it's got a martial context or a 
or a place in violence doesn't mean it's any different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Now, um, you do training. Um, you do mostly smaller classes. I know we'll get later on the show. We're going to talk about your new endeavor that you're rolling out later in a couple months, right? We'll hit that hard. Mm -hmm. But um, who have you taken from <laughs> uh, training from and why? Um, so I've taken a number of classes. Now, I don't talk about the people that I've trained with mm -hmm. uh, in my past, right? Because now I only go train with people who are who I see real benefit from their training. Like mm -hmm. Scott Jedlinski, I've taken classes with him. Uh, but I don't talk about all the, the classes that I've taken because I'm very critical of the training industry. Right. So one-on-one, -on -one, I tell people about what classes I've taken and which ones I believed were the best or actually any good at all. And mm -hmm. then, but I really, I steer clear of talking about it, to tell you the truth. Now, cool. I do plan on, I have... Brandon Powers coming this year uh, to do a class. Tim Heron in 2022, um, which I might end up taking one of his classes this year, but he'll be coming to my range 2022 in June. Then uh, Donovan from Point One Tactics is a guy that I'm going to train with. Um, there's there's a few other spec trained North Carolina Billy Barton. He was supposed to come to a training class, but ended up getting freaking Corona and stuff. So uh, I have a lot of guys that I really look up to, or I, I really want to take classes from them, or I have even. But I I just don't uh, I don't really get into it because of I am critical of the training industry, and I don't want to put it out there that I've trained with this person or that person, and then people take it out of context if I say this is dumb or that's dumb or, or people are ripping you off, mm -hmm. then they look, they, oh, well, he trained with this person, so he must be talking about that person. And I don't gotcha. want that. Gotcha. Right? No, and I, and I, I respect that. And I mean, it's your prerogative. And honestly, we need to be critical of the training industry because we can't always believe everything is told to us as this is the way. I know Scott says he has a way. It's not always the mm -hmm. way. So you've got to really analyze for yourself what works for you and what really doesn't and not believe everything is gospel. And, I mean, the more we can do that, the better we'll become. Yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky because I'm not very close-minded on anything, and I'll take anyone's advice, even a C-class shooter in what in Revolver. He might be the best freaking reloader in the world. I'm still going to listen right. to what he's got to say and evaluate it for myself. Yeah, there's no... Well, one thing is also I don't put stock in the amount of hours someone has taken training classes. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that one bit. I care about what you can do and what you can say to me right now. What comes out of your brain? Not that you have 800 hours of formal training under this person and that person. Who cares? Right. I care about what you know, what's inside of your brain, and what you can show me right now. And that's about it. So that's, that's one of the reasons I've steered clear of really naming the names of people. Because I can tell you, it's kind of funny. The people that get a lot of hate, uh, even, even like James Yeager, perfect mm -hmm. example of a polarizing figure. Okay, I don't do anything 
the way that he does, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. so right. As, as technique-wise or just philosophy-wise or any of that, I don't line up with him ever. But I can tell you that they do good classes. Mm -hmm. They have multiple instructors for, for the level of, you know, for if they got 20 students or whatever, there's probably three instructors. So they do things in a way, yeah, they do it their way, but it's, and a lot of people think, I don't know, that's that's one reason I just don't like to put it out there because a lot of people will, will take it out of context and believe that you're saying things about somebody that you're not. And then also it would be surprising if I told you who I thought was running the best training and who was running the worst, it'd probably surprise you. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things. Now, if I say that I'm going to train with someone or if I you know, give a list of instructors that I really respect, then those are people that I've at least, I've either trained with them or I've seen enough of their material to know that they're like legit. Right. Where they have the same beliefs or some figure of it, some, some. Right. Something you can connect with and be like, yep, that makes sense. And it's, it's not, yeah. full of, not full of bullshit. Right. And I will say you're going to love Timmy. I've taken Tim's class in 2020. I've got mm -hmm. another scheduled class in 2021. It'll be another awesome time. We're actually going to do a three-day format where he's actually going to be at uh, the match after the class. So we're all going to squad with Tim and get to actually watch him shoot six stages of uh, USPSA. It'll be fantastic. And Very cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah. I've, my list is short of who I want to train with, but... It's because of the the vetting process I go through. I mean, I'll I'll take those free nuggets um, and of information they put out on social media to judge. You know, am I going to learn anything? Is it worth it, or is it vastly different from what I already know to see if it's good for me? Essentially, yeah. mm -hmm. that's where coming in like YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, even Tim just the other day said had a post on uh, Instagram saying what is giving away too much, mm -hmm. right? And there's, there's a line there. And for me personally, I think I will give out all the information, but I'm not going to give you the way I deliver it in a class right. or the, way I, the process in which I want to drive it into your head, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. The process in which we do this and then we do this and then we do this. I think the process should stay your... That's what, what you take the class for, to see how well they've put together the process to spin someone up. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, the information, if you scour the internet, it's all out there already. There's nothing new under the sun. Real. There's nothing new. Yeah, like I was talking with Steve Fisher the other day, well, just today, and he's like, what is old is new, and what's new is old. It's just always, it gets, the cycle continues. Nothing is truly ever revolutionary. No, not not really. Now, there are things, there are certain concepts, and uh, depending on what you're doing, USPSA or appendix or, you know, whatever it might be, there are things that are, that are new and cool mm -hmm. over, like, the course of the last five years, maybe. Yeah. But there's mm -hmm. never really anything that's just completely out of left field. I mean, everybody's basically doing the same stuff. You just need to figure out a better way to package it. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, you're taking training classes just to see, 
like how does Scott talk about this concept, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to be like paying attention. Okay, I talk about this concept this way. How mm -hmm. does he do it? Like how does he get everybody's heads wrapped around the same thing? And at a certain point, you're kind of taking classes just to see how other people do it. And then, I mean, you're, if you're not using everybody else's stuff, then you're not using the best stuff out there. Right. And I think Ernest Langdon puts it the, the best. Uh, the best teachers are the best thieves. Yeah. And, I mean, Scott says that all the time. And it's, it's true. I think it's truly a good statement. Yep. And that's that's where that process and information, because you cannot give out someone's process because mm -hmm. that's that's like where it becomes not cool. Mm -hmm. Right. Like talking about different concepts or if I'm talking like one thing I use all the time that Scott's is when somebody's having trouble finding the dot, you can kind of do that 12 to six because most people are are muzzle high mm -hmm. when they present and then they drop down and find their dot by fishing around. He has that 12 to 6 kind of presentation where you let the dot drop in from the top. You kind of mm -hmm. go all the way out and then, and you'll see your dot fly. I use that all the time. But mm -hmm. I would never give away like his process of teaching it. But I, I got to I gotta use that concept. Mm -hmm. Like it's too good not to use. <laughs> right. So, yeah. right. And then I have my own style of doing it that floats up from the bottom and it, it if you're just using the stuff that you think of, you're not using the best stuff. There's got to get more brains in the in the mix. Right. And as you were commenting about Timmy, about giving too much away and, you know, people go to get your context and your process, you know, how to do it. You So even just sharing it on the Internet of, as example for Tim, he was doing shot calling. Everyone needs to learn mm -hmm. how to call their shots. You're not going to get in that 20 minute video exactly how he'll do it in a class or how he describes it or the personal instruction of him being right there, you, watching you do this drill or observing you. I mean, yeah, it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. And the pressure, honestly. I mean, there's 10 times more pressure when you got someone staring at your back, analyzing your shooting. Yep. And uh, what's real pressure is demoing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's like, all right. Uh, it, it, I feel more pressure doing a demo in a class than I do running a stage in uspsa any day i i i have no problem with running a stage any day i love actually i love going first i love hmm. being the first one on a stage maybe not the first stage but if you when they call my name on the first on that one stage i'm like let's do this let's go right yeah sometimes it's better to to think about it less and just go mm -hmm. i mean i still put all the mental process the mental game and all the visualizations in but it's like Let's show them. I, don't, I mean, I don't care. Someone else could have a better stage plan than me, but I don't care. Right. Yeah. Let, all right. So let's now we've busted in the USPSA. Do you want to share your classification at the moment or do you want to keep that to yourself? No, I don't give a shit. Uh, I think it's A at the moment. I What I did for classification wise is I don't want to. So I'm I'm I was learning the game so quickly that I realized classification wise, I'm just not going to have any problem mm -hmm. getting to the classification that I want. I, I've, I could bet a lot of money that I'll hit GM before the end of this year. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know that that's coming. The only problem is, is I realized, all right, I have a huge amount of confidence 
in my classification abilities. What I need to do is shoot in matches to that level. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about it in a different way, and uh, it's actually been been awesome. What I do now is the classifier comes, I shoot it at about 80% so that I can just be solid and roll right through, no big deal. And I just treat it like any other stage where mm -hmm. I'm just rolling through. And uh, it's it's one of those things where I think people are getting way too hung up on classification. Mm -hmm. at, at one side of the house, if I classify super well and then I'm going to matches and my, my actual stage work isn't as good as my classification, then you just look like an idiot. Right. Like, you look like a paper GM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not cool. So until... I don't want to even go full bore on classifications until I get my gamesmanship kind of where I want it to be, mm -hmm. which this year, I mean, I did really well this year. I shot 10 matches and I won carry optics in six of them and finished second twice, I think. So doing, doing really well for what I'm doing or for, for how much I've put into it. But, uh, USPSA, the game side of it is all I'm worried about, like mm -hmm. learning the, the real deal game of it and being able to shoot my full ability every stage. Oh, yeah. And it's for myself, I'm kind of the same way. I want to I've got this classification goal in mind, but it's more not necessarily to get the card. It's more of to have my full level be at that level as well. You know, shoot a ma shoot matches and shoot a stage like a that blank level shooter, but yeah. have the piece of paper saying. Yeah, you are that level of shooter, not just on a stand and shoot. Or now we're getting into the little bit of movement on the class fires, which I'm really enjoying with the new 20s and the yeah, 19s. Those are, yeah, those are awesome. Now, mine, uh, I would have already been M, but I had two classifiers thrown out for uh, somebody bitching, I guess. I, I don't know what happened, but... but had a 99 and a 94 or something thrown out. Mm -hmm. So it's just after that happened too, that kind of soured me because I was on like a really good roll. <laughs> and then all yeah. of a sudden happened, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not even worried about it. I'll just keep shooting my game and see what happens. And then yeah, I kind of thought I better back up here. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, as soon as people put stop putting so much pressure on a classifier, to do well they do perform better you just oh. follow the process you follow what you know there's guys that are stuck in in b class that are m class shooters mm -hmm. like it's i don't know what the classification system or or why it, it, it just bothers people so much or or gets in everybody's head or something but i think way too much stock is put into it and honestly, this year, kind of what I've talked about, I've talked to a couple people about this, talked to Rob uh, Epifania about this, and, and he was like, get your classification at match bumps, mm -hmm. right? So beat a bunch of masters, you'll get bumped. So mm -hmm. at area seven, area eight, nationals, that's where I want to get mine from. That's mm -hmm. kind of the new direction Obviously, if it happens before that or whatever, I, I don't really care. But that's that's what I'm really going for is to actually get match bumped instead of just shooting the classifiers well. Right. And I mean, 
there is that alternative, that route. And some of us, like myself, aren't lucky enough to be able to allocate going to a lot of majors. This year, my shooting schedule, due to availability and price of ammo and components, is taking a big slash. It's right. been, I thought maybe I'll get a major in. I don't even know if I'll get more than a couple locals in. Because I'm not going to cancel a training class and get learn the things I, I can do in practice and doing dry fire to get to that next level. I mean, yeah, I'd have ammo if I wasn't going to take a class, but I'd rather much take the instruction again and learn yep. the next leaps and bounds before <laughs> waste ballistic masturbation at a match, essentially, especially for right. a local. Yeah, I, I, I treat matches a little bit differently than most people. Um, I truly believe that local matches are practice. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I shoot every local match with a different intent. So kind of a different goal. Mm -hmm. um, but I am this year, I'll probably shoot less local matches and, and try to get to area seven, area eight, those at least, I know I'm going to do those too. And then uh, try to get to nationals for sure. Cause mm -hmm. I just want that. I want that big match pressure, like and that, that big match atmosphere. That's the one thing that I haven't really done. I don't, don't I want to see where I stack up against the best. Oh, absolutely. And you know? hopefully maybe 2022 for, I mean, I'd love to go hit the Michigan section. I'll hit area five, which is, you know, in Kentucky mm -hmm. area eights in Virginia, isn't it? West Virginia, Virginia, West, yeah. Oh, so that's uh, still close for me. Then I can maybe hit Area 8. You know, yeah. that's hopefully when, if things come back to a normalcy, we'll be uh, able to uh, compete some more. And Rob has been a, also a very uh, great uh, mentor and inspiration for me. I, I, buy, I butcher his last name all the time, so I just call him Rob. But that's just how uh, it goes. <laughs> yeah, Epiphania, I think is how you say it. Yeah, I talk to him a good bit nowadays uh, on Instagram, just direct message back and forth, bullshitting about certain things. Um, just as far as like mental process and the, the amount of work he puts into dry practice and uh, basically all the work he does off the range um, mm -hmm. to get better, it's, it's pretty inspiring to watch. So I've been kind of picking his brain on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I used to always talk to Rob, and then I realized that Rob's talking to like a million people. So if I have a question, I'll hit him up. But I don't. We used to talk like daily, but I'm like, he's got work, he's got other crap to do, he's got other people bothering him for less more important than crap than I do. So yeah, and, and yeah, I usually I'll check uh, in with him. Right, we talked about stuff like if I post something, then. He'll be like, yeah, I do this, or, or I'll say something on his post, and then next thing you know, we end up bullshitting for an hour back and forth on there. So uh, that's, that's one of the biggest things that's helpful about social media and putting stuff out there. You know, I've gotten, had conversations back and forth with, like, some people that you know, I really respect in the game, and... I'm not much of a social media kind of guy, but that that's invaluable. You know, that mm -hmm. that's awesome. I'm talking back and forth with Travis Tomasi <laughs> about this or that, you know, and we're having conversations once every, you know, couple of weeks or something like 
that's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then getting some some validation on my material from those guys is huge. Oh, absolutely. So and if, Travis is one of the uh, greatest shooters of his time and still currently. I mean, he was training with Max back in Max's open days in the AMU mm-hmm. before he went for SIG. And I mean... He's one of the nice. I mean, he's always quoted as one of the nicest guys in shooting too. I think it's the bald head, though. Yeah, I mean, all those bald people are nice. They're either mean or nice. <clears throat> right. Right. Now, all right. Let's see. So you said you're hoping what area seven, area eight, and nationals this year. What classes mm-hmm. we've talked about? Um, as an instructor, um, what keeps you teaching, and what motivates you to keep developing yourself to be a better teacher? Man, well, first of all, teaching makes you better at shooting, Mm -hmm. right? So as I'm trying to be a better teacher, I then, through osmosis, just become better at shooting, too. Because one thing is, if I'm demoing things or uh, even doing a video, I have to do things correctly. I can't preach and then do... Right. And mm-hmm. so it uh, it drives me to be a better shooter all the time so that, you know, no one's really going to watch any of my stuff. I'm not a national champion. OK, mm-hmm. I'm not JJ. I'm not Max Michelle. So who the hell am I? And I'm not law enforcement SWAT guy and I'm not military guy. So what do I have to offer? Mm-hmm. Well, I better be really damn good at shooting. All right. I better be able to do it from appendix from USPSA and I better be able to just do the work that I'm trying to teach on command, you know, on demand. So teaching one makes you better at shooting. And then two, there's nothing better than somebody saying that they've been struggling with something for a year and they watched one video and all of a sudden it clicked or Mm -hmm. uh, taking training or something. And all of a sudden they, you know, the best thing I can get is a text message. that says, Hey man, just made a class. Mm-hmm. You know, or, hey, man, I just finally got out of B class and, and jumped to A or I won my local match. All these kind of things. That's that's what keeps you coming and, and figuring out how to uh, how to get the information into people's heads. Because mm-hmm. every every instructor has a different way of talking, different way of, of presenting the information and trying to, un you know, solve that puzzle is is it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And even at my level, I love being able to give tidbits and nuggets to people that help them out. Even though I don't find myself to be a very experienced knowledge of uh, instruction and be able to, you know, I know my classification, I know my skill level and I'm not the best. So I don't try to say that I am, but I still try to help people where they, at, you know, they, and I, but I don't push myself on anybody. If they ask me, I'll surely give them an answer, but I don't go out my way, like and comment on people's videos saying, Oh, you should do this because that's not my place, nor is it my MO. Yep, yep. And that's something that uh, I I rarely, rarely, rarely ever will give unsolicited advice. Like, mm-hmm. every once in a while, and, and the only reason I don't more often is because it's, it's usually taken the wrong way. So even if you try to be really nice about something or, or just suggest, like, a different style of doing something, and be like, you know, give this a try. People still don't take to it very well. So I, I try to stay away from that. 
and uh, that's that's why I really started my own YouTube channel and stuff. Is well, I'll just put out what I want to put out and see if people are, you know, digging it or not. So, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. And speaking of YouTube, I, I mean, I found you on YouTube, and you started doing the online uh, remote trainings, and you've been mm-hmm. doing that for what almost two years now, is it? If not longer. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, two years. I started off with uh, with just some friends and and uh, some beta testers, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually just kind of got it to the point where it is now, where uh, it's smooth, simple. I did two of them today, so mm-hmm. pretty pretty easy to do. And all it is is, you know, one one guy today was pretty damn slick to where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of searching trying to really get them to put on uh you know we're, we're trying to go from like a 1.2 or 1.3 draw from appendix to to a 0.9 right that's that's mm-hmm. tough it's hard to get that little bit whereas the the guy from earlier he was more okay just figuring everything out wanted to start from scratch take a little bit of training get a better understanding of dry practice as a whole so we're talking about grip we're talking about presentation really simple things picking the pistol up off the table a little bit of draw stuff but it's cool how far you can you know somebody can be a day one beginner or somebody who's pretty slick and wants to just get a little bit better mm-hmm. uh it's pretty pretty helpful then dry practice right now it's about all people are gonna get mm-hmm. with the ammo situation so you got to figure out ways to get better but when i'm watching when I'm watching you do your thing, mm-hmm. I can pick up on so many easy little things that we can fix right here and now than if I give you a video or it's just not the same. And then obviously it's not quite the same as in person, mm-hmm. but it's the next best thing. Yeah. And I think that's going to be yeah. within the next these next <laughs> years, it's going to be more big names are going to be doing this kind of thing. I know a lot of them were doing it during the major lockdown the first time, kind of doing the thing, trying to dabble in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the next wave of training, um, on the, at least even on the personal level. So then people feel comfortable with that instructor, say, all right, let's host you out for a class, you know, figure mm-hmm. something out. And it's the next step to getting into the more training, which is an awesome thing. Um, yeah, and, and one, of the, uh, one of the two from today was in California. So we're we're doing it all the way across the country and we're we're talking about dry fire and, and how to get better movement patterns and uh mm-hmm. you know you can cover so much in dry practice. Like mm-hmm. the only thing you really can't do with a gun is recoil management until you get an airsoft or a cool fire trainer. And those aren't truly one hundred percent equatable to your gun, but it's still getting you used to recoil because I know if I don't go shoot at least five rounds or so, I'm going to forget what recoil is. You know. Yeah, it's going to surprise you a little bit. And, and you that, don't want to be a, a dry fire GM, but a, a C-class uh, uh, shooting a gun, right? Right, and that happens. That does, that happens. Um, that's another thing, like in this ammo crisis right now, if you can get to the range more often and shoot less ammo, you're going to be good. So even if it's 50 rounds a week, if you can if you can ration 200 rounds a month, 
and go to the go to the range 50 rounds a week and you know dry practice in between mm-hmm. so dry practice at the range has been has been the number one thing for me uh this this last i've taken about a two-month break i take big breaks mm-hmm. right i'm still dry practicing and stuff but i don't find it a big detriment if i take big breaks i think it's actually kind of nice uh but anyway, if you if you can ration out and, and get to the range more often, dry practice in between reps, and then do stuff at the range that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like ask a lot of yourself for those 50 rounds. And right. I, I think you could maintain the, the exact amount of skill or make huge gains depending on how you know, accountable you can be and how focused you can be while you're trying to, to do that little bit of work. Absolutely. And I find it the best is when you can uh, have a code with a plan, you know, try not to wing. You can't really wing it right now when this ammo is so bad, but you got to at least have a plan. I mean, but unless you have some very bad thing you've noticed that you need to work on and address, address immediately, stick to your plan and work on it. Yep. Yep. It, uh, and if you think about it, throttle control mm-hmm. and acceptable sight picture, throttle control, calling shots, those are all the things that we can't really do in dry practice. I mean, the recoil control aspect of it is kind of the most simple, but those are the things that, that we lose in dry practice. And, and one thing in dry practice is try to mimic live fire. Don't just whack your trigger, mm-hmm. right, at every target. You don't do that in, in live fire because you wouldn't be hitting. <laughs> so right. really think, okay, if this is simulating a 15-yard target, I'm going to be bang, bang, and go. Not bang, 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 you know. So mm-hmm. be accountable in dry practice and think, if this thing was actually recoiling right now, what would my splits be like? And be, be really... Uh, you know, in tune with yourself and accountable. It's so many people, they get a false sense of what they're able to do from dry practice. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the range and the times are just nowhere near where what they should be. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I suck. Or And confidence is everything. Oh yeah. Com- you know, that confidence or how uh, Steve Anderson puts up the self-image from, you know, Lanny Basham. It's a big thing. You, it's something people need to be looking into. I just took mental management with uh, Steve Anderson two weeks ago, and yeah. I took uh, I took a lot out of that that um that online seminar. It was really wonderful, and it helps you kind of un- if you have those issues, it helps you fix yourself or unlock the potential that you could not be accessing if otherwise. I don't really believe it. I I agree with Steve, and I don't believe in say I suck or beating myself up over something i'm gonna accomplish myself and say well i did awesome at this i'm drawing the gun this fast i'm doing what i can do well i'd see that i can correct these things and they need to be better but i'm not gonna say i suck why am i not hitting what's wrong with me yep and that's a big thing in the learning process too if you always beat yourself up what's gonna make you want to go out and practice yep so i usually tell people that uh I want to leave the range feeling like a rock star one range visit. And then the next one, maybe I, maybe I, I leave a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because I can't always feel like I'm killing it, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of balance that, okay, well, maybe maybe I, I leave the range feeling really good this range visit, but the next time I'm going to do something so difficult <laughs> or give myself some kind of silly par time that I want to hit, and when I don't hit it, hey, I know I'm capable of doing that. If everything is perfect, I should be able to run uh, uh, an El Presidente from concealment, sub 4.5 seconds, all day, every day, and I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. So I'll just say, all right, I'm going to do that at the end of the range visit. And guess what? I pulled three Charlies. Well, now I can leave just a little bit disappointed and say, all right, even though that's kind of a crazy part time, it's a hard thing to do. I still didn't perform what I was actually capable of doing. So mm-hmm. just giving yourself some sort of carrot to, to chase, right. but, but positive self image and always feeling a little cocky is good. Mm-hmm. Huge. Right. And it, and it's not necessarily, and it's not that you don't want to go out and test yourself because you really do, but don't always let your, failures or missed opportunities mm-hmm. set your tone of all you know it's one of those things you just gotta stick with what you got be positive about it and don't beat yourself up because that has put a lot of high level shooters where they're at and they're not be able to get to the top because they've kicked their ass so long and oh. get themselves in a funk how many guys have you seen right before a classifier say that this is going to be a shit show or something like that Oh, every time I go to a match, they're always like, I suck at classifiers. I'm like, why do you say that? I, I say, I love shooting classifiers. I love going first. <laughs> yeah. or, or say, you know, this is a classifier that I should crush. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, looking at the classifier, whatever it might be, and say, this is something that I should crush right now. And maybe, maybe you screw it up, maybe you don't, but self-defeating uh, kind of talk is... Man, it's huge, mm-hmm. and confidence is everything. Trying to trying to mimic the confidence that you have on the range uh, when nobody's watching, trying to really just just turn that switch in your head, turn everything off, and say, okay, it's time to time to do the work. And mm-hmm. you know that's something that everybody struggles with. I do. You know, mm-hmm. I have a a level that I know I can do, and it's every single classifier in the classifier booklet i know i can 100 percent every one of them i've done it on the range doing it in a match when it counts when it's your one and only chance mm-hmm. that's different <laughs> like it's difficult and shooting competition wouldn't be any fun if it was easy so right or you got to be rich because you could pay five bucks every time you want to reshoot it and <laughs> i've never reshot one mm-hmm. even malfunctions couple like my first couple classifiers i had a uh a Glock store spring and they actually sent me an 11 pound spring so for two whole matches I was like fighting this weird malfunction that would come out of nowhere and uh, the, the recoil spring was too light and when the when the trigger bar hit it would actually move the slide back and I'd get like a, a light primer strike out of nowhere so for two whole matches uh, I should have reshot some classifiers there at the beginning but I said, screw it. I'm not going to ever shoot one. I'm never going to reshoot a classifier. Either I do it right then and there or I don't. Right. And I've, so. I've been lucky. I've only had to reshoot one stage in my competition career. 
due to a missed small steal. And I'll say that's pretty lucky because, yeah, it sucks when you put all your mental effort into doing that one run and you're like, well, I want to reshoot because I couldn't, I didn't do as well because my mental process said, there's a target over here and you go by it. I'm like, where are you? And you realize it's down and it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, that's why it's so fun. I don't mind reshooting, but I'm glad you don't always have to reshoot. And another note, it was um, videoing yourself and being able to self-diagnose is so big. And the fact of slow-mo, like, and you think you're doing a reload out here and you're, you're keeping the gun up. You slow-mo that bitch and you're like, what? I, don't, I wasn't six inches deeper, but the video don't lie. Yep. Video is something that so many people, like we talk about it. I've talked about it a hundred times, but the guys, so many people who do remote training with me, mm-hmm. first things first, uh, we talk on the phone a little bit and I kind of get their goals of what they want to do. And, you know, whether it's USBSA or concealment work or what their goals are. And then I tell them, okay, send me a, a little clip of what you're doing now in dry practice, right? Like, what you, what you kind of do, your nightly routine or whatever. A couple draws, reloads, transitions, stuff like that. Um, and often, that's the first time they've ever watched themselves, is when they're sending me a video. And then they've already diagnosed a few things. So when I bring it up to them, like, hey, see how you're doing this? They're like, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, how much video actually matters? Because you're a lot of the time proprioception our perception of our own body in space proprioception right mm-hmm. it's a ten dollar word all it means is can you feel what your body's doing in space well most of the time we're not that great at it and some people are really good at it uh, some people are not so it doesn't mean that the person who's really good and it has really really solid proprioception it doesn't mean that they're going to be a better shooter. It just means that they can feel something or fix something a little bit quicker. So if I tell you that you're you're winging this elbow up or this shoulder up or something, some people just can't tell that they're doing that until they see it on film. And then they see it on film and they immediately, they're like, yeah, I see exactly what you're talking about. And they can start to fix it. But that's that's so, it's one of the biggest things. And it's made me, from doing YouTube videos and stuff, it's made me a better shooter simply because I'm always watching myself shoot. Right. Absolutely. And and also, to add to that, stages are not good enough. Mm -hmm. Watching yourself shoot a stage is not good enough. So most of the time, we're getting video of someone watching themselves uh, shoot a stage. You're... It's not the greatest camera angle. It's from behind. You're not really seeing exactly what you're doing. You're not really seeing, unless you get lucky enough that the uh, the RO isn't standing in the middle of the way, or you got a good enough angle where you can actually see, like, are you coming into position, gun up? Are you reloading down here? Is your chin tucked while you're trying to run around, do stuff? Um, you don't see a lot of that. So filming your dry practice for your static, regular old work, and then filming your your dry practice for movement, filming your dry practice for any manipulation, and filming your live fire practice. Void of matches, Mm -hmm. right? 
like like not just match video and then film the match video and try to put all that together and say okay am i doing the same work at the match that i am at the range because we first we need to get our range work and our dry practice work on point Mm -hmm. then the match stuff just isn't that hard like you know i i shot my first uspsa match and three matches later i won my first uspsa match Mm -hmm. (laughs) so (laughs) it's not that hard once you learn how to shoot real good right like putting it together with the game side of it yeah there's a million little things you need to know to to be at the top level Mm -hmm. but if you can just shoot really fast reload really fast work the gun real fast you're going to be real good real quick at uspsa Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and the name of the game you, is consistency too. I mean, if you can't, if you can have a stellar a stellar stage and kill it, but you have a shitty stage the next, you're not you have no chance of winning. But if you bring the consistency level up and even not even blaze it down and be, you know, at your at eighty percent, ninety percent, and stay there the whole match, you're gonna win that match. Nationals, I yep. think, can be won if you take fifth through eighth on every stage. If you're just oh, yeah. consistent and just take it, take those fifth and eighth slots, you're going to win because, yeah. I mean, unless you're going against, si- I mean, Siler pretty much is like Max Michelle right now, taking pretty much the top slot, if not number two, number three. He's very consistent at that high level, but he also still yeah. does have those. I looked at nationals on the competitor app. He had a 53rd uh, on a stage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that could have killed oh, yeah. him. Well, one no shoot. Mm-hmm. One one bullet <laughs> flying the wrong direction, and and it's that's a big difference at the top. Mm-hmm. One uh, bullet, one half a second, one footfall, anything. Yeah, just a slip or a, a fumble of a mag, you know, any little thing. Because some of those stages are so high hit factor too that if you make the right mistake on the right stage, all of a sudden you go from being in the top ten to a fiftieth place on that stage. I mean, it's it means everything. Mm-hmm. Local matches, you know, I usually have one stage that I completely ruin, but I can shoot fast enough on all the rest of them to do well. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So my consistency is just not not there yet as far as stage planning goes, but I can shoot fast enough to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it comes from confidence. Uh, one big thing, my new class that I've just developed is all about letting letting yourself go, like letting it go, and and sending it to the to the instinctual level uh, inside of you. Because there's there's so many people that shoot competition and they they let it get in their head, uh, whether they know it or not. On some subconscious level, they're not letting it fly to their own ability, mm-hmm. you know, and and. Yeah, we want to tone it down maybe to 90%, where most people are toning it down to like 60%. And it's like, man, it, just send it. Just just, mm-hmm. just let go of, of all your, your over-confirmation and all your inhibition and all your, your insecurities. Let it, let it fly. As soon as that buzzer goes off, you're, you're Superman. Oh, just absolutely. And, so, and you should. Let it rip. Now, speaking of your two-day class, do you want to give a little bit a teaser of what that is? Um, what could you expect in that kind of course? 
Yeah, it's, uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I have not put out, you know, I've been doing this teaching stuff for a while now, but I haven't, I have one day class, I have a carbine class, you know, and then I do a lot of privates. Mm-hmm. As far as a two day full on class, I've never, I've never put one out because I wanted to build one from scratch that is like jam packed. And I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of classes where the first day is basically the same class as every other class you've ever taken. And the second day gets into some cool stuff. Have you, have you noticed that? I could agree with on, yep, on that level. Yep. Right. Like some, sometimes you go to a two day class and it's like, all right, today we're going to go over fundamentals and then tomorrow we'll do some dynamic stuff or you know, mm-hmm. whereas this class, the, the performance shooting and tasking class is meant for people who are, are like already shooting USPSA. It doesn't matter if you're D class or, or GM, you know, you, but you, you already understand the concepts of kind of USPSA. You understand uh, safety. And, and so we don't really have to start at square one, right? Mm-hmm. We can start the first day right off the bat. And it's, it's performance shooting and tasking. So basically, I've broken it down between me and a bunch of other people, how long each physical task takes and how long and, and how to initiate tasking off of shooting. So if you think about it, just on the static stuff, the simple stuff, reloading the pistol physically only takes about half a second. Mm-hmm. So where so most people are probably if we just averaged it out, most people are probably around like a 1.5 second reload, right? Seven yards, shot to shot. Most people are probably around 1.5. That's mm-hmm. what I've seen. Where's that whole second going? If it only really takes about half a second or even three quarters of a second to physically load that gun, then where's the other three quarters of a second going? It's the initial. Initiation. Mm-hmm. It's going from shooting, boom, into the task. It's going from the task back, bang, to the shooting. And then we take that concept and apply it to the draw, reload, transition from target to target, movement, everything. So if you think about it, there's only two parts to shooting. Shooting, where that's mm-hmm. where the gun is going off, and tasking. That's reloads, draws, movement, transitions, all that stuff. So that class is basically trying to blend all those together so you can start to get silly times <laughs> out mm-hmm. of uh, out of what you're doing. Because if if I sit there and, and one of the, the things that I do in the class that uh, the, the best demo that I can uh, that I can do is I do a real slow hand speed demo. So I actually move my hands real slow, but I we do a Blake drill and more often than not, I can I can still beat people by a second and move my hands real slow. Mm-hmm. So it kind of proves to them like, okay, you moved your hands way faster than me. And we shot the same splits. But somehow I was still faster. Now, how the hell does that work? And then you right. realize, oh, it's, it's the initiation from tasking back to shooting, from shooting back to tasking, transition, like... And then we just go deep into the weeds on all that stuff and uh, trying to 
see more, see everything. I've got a, a three-step entry thing that I've been working on for a long time that's, that's not only a footwork thing, but it's actually like a, a three-step setup thing and all this stuff I've been really going hard on this year. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool class. I've got it to where day one we start hammering and we work shooting, mm -hmm. the shooting side of it a good bit and some static stuff. And then day two, really start to break mm -hmm. into to how to how to initiate the tasking and get out of positions quicker. How to how to basically shoot more at an instinctual level mm -hmm. and not uh, you know over confirm everything and and just all that waste of time. Uh, nobody. Nobody really thinks where is the time going, mm -hmm. right? But there is chunks and chunks of time. And what I'm big on, and I think USPSA and the practice and training for USPSA as a whole, and this, this is from appendix, the class is from anything. USPSA mm -hmm. is just an easy way to kind of talk about stuff. Right. But people are chasing tense when there are seconds laying everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the whole class in a nutshell. Like I'm going to show you how to get a whole second out of a four second drill. Okay, mm -hmm. now that's imagine taking that into a 20 second stage. Now that's a 14 second stage, <laughs> nope. right? Like stop chasing tense and start looking at all these seconds laying all around, and let's. Grab them seconds, and then we'll chase the tents once uh, once we get really cooking on the uh, on the rest of it. So that that's basically the thing I see the most of in in practice and training is is everybody just trying to get a tenth off their draw or a tenth off their reload. And mm -hmm. It's like, man, there is so much more out there to go to gobble up uh, before we get to that point. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree. Do all the gun handling as fast, you know, the non-shooting parts as fast as you possibly can. Well, efficiently. I'm not going to say fast. Efficiently. One thing I've had to tell myself is not to say fast. Try to not to say fast in a shooting context because it does get some mumbo jumbo and you think a little differently. And yep. sooner rather than um, sooner. Just shoot sooner. Do everything sooner rather than faster. Yep. And that that's the big thing. I, I hate to say that because so many people say it now. Yeah. But it is... It just makes sense. Well, and it's a simple concept. It's like, well, you don't have to do anything real fast. You just need to initiate it faster. You well sooner, like sooner. You, sooner. And it's very hard. I've been trying to break that that f word, like it's a swear word, but it's it's truly. Yep. If you think sooner rather than later, and exactly. it, you're gonna be able to get it. And training That's, now is gonna be better than training later. You know. Yeah. That's uh, that's the whole thing. Like when I do that demo and I move my hands real slow. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm inserting my my new mag coming up and bang, mm -hmm. right where you're going, bang. That that was a half a second <laughs> or, yeah. or three tenths of a second just in that tiny little pause. So initiation sooner. Uh, it's just it's a big concept, but the big deal is. How do you take that sooner thing mm -hmm. and apply it to every piece of what you're doing? Like, 
there's so many concepts. Just just think about transitions. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. 14 different things that we can talk about to get you to be able to transition the gun better. If you think about throttle control and, and uh, acceptable sight picture and, and attacking versus control targets and stability coming into position, like there's a there's hundred micro concepts for every macro concept. Mm -hmm. So macro concept being shoot sooner, do everything sooner, try to get everything done sooner. And then there's a hundred micro concepts in there to get you better at actually doing that so you can because mm -hmm. if you just tell somebody to shoot sooner that does no good absolutely <laughs> that's not helping at all How and that's where right and it's all about the context too you you know what we're working on you know and that's why you, they go to training from you tim and anyone else out there who's performing at a high level to get that knowledge to get that context to get what they need out of it instead of fumbling through the muck right it's it's a tough deal. So the one good thing is there's more and more people on board than ever. Mm -hmm. Like switched on, kind of thinking, okay, one, uh, you know, competition shooting won't get you killed because it's simply just a thing to get you better at shooting. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't have anything to do with gunfighting or anything like that. It's just going to make you better at shooting. Uh, right. That's a war. That's a it's a it's a battle for for hearts and minds to to try to understand. Look, you you wouldn't go into a boxing gym and say, "Hey, hitting that heavy bag, that heavy bag doesn't hit back." You know, like blah blah mm -hmm. blah. Like, that's not why we're doing it. <laughs> right. Because this is a separate thing. We're trying to get better at the things that make up what what we need to to potentially use this thing in a martial context, but. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are definitely certain things that you want to, uh, I try to say to always have a little bit of martial context in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. So if you're training certain things, always have just a little bit of like, is this straight up gamer stuff? Or is this actually applicable somehow to self-defense? Because I, I do want to kind of have a line there somewhere because there is certain things uh, that that they go too far down the gamer road, where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, there there is some there's there's a discussion there, but it, that's very very little. There's very mm -hmm. little things that actually happen that way. Right, so, and that's a lot to the stage planning and how you're gonna work a stage and whatnot, and in some of the little nuances that are gamer. Yeah, and just even even the way we manipulate the pistol in certain ways, like. You know, there, there's just, there's very few and far between things that, that are actually different martial context to, to gaming context, but there is a few. Um, big thing is, the better you are at shooting and moving and problem solving with a gun, which is basically USPSA, mm -hmm. <laughs> just the problem solving thing, and you, the gun is the problem solver. Uh, right, we got to put holes right. and stuff. So the better you are at doing that, the better you're probably going to be if you ever have to do it in a in an actual fight. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't get too wrapped up around the axle on on stuff like that. But that is one place where 
having a little bit of experience kind of fighting for your life uh, in real violence. Mm -hmm. That's taught me so much. Like, I was able to wade through the the bullshit, really. Mm -hmm. There's so much nonsense out there, and and I had already done it a couple of times and and fought for my life in real deal situations where I come out of it with a couple of stab wounds and, and, you know, some really horrific stuff. And that was always so easy for me to to be like, nah, that's, that's silly. Like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't do that in a gunfight that would never come up. Why? Because you're in a gunfight, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the little internet arguments back and forth, whether or not you should do this or a light's going to get you killed or competition will kill you. And like none of that stuff matters when it really comes down to fighting for your life. Very little mm-hmm. does. So mm-hmm. that'll let you wade through some stuff pretty quickly. And about 90% of what people argue about is total nonsense. Absolutely. It's just not a Mm-hmm. And if you listen to guys like Steve Fisher, listen to guys like Mike Pannone, they don't talk about all that little nuanced bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that people argue about, about different gear or <clears throat> whether or not this will happen or that'll happen. Like that, that, it just doesn't, you, you don't have time to think about that kind of stuff. It's, it's non-applicable. It doesn't come up. And that's not what's going to matter. The stuff that does matter and what doesn't matter actually surprises you. Most of the time when I hear someone who's never been in real violence, they're actually saying more than what they should be saying. So Mm -hmm. being in real violence and having some experience in that, you actually realize how how, uh, little things do matter. Right. So so you're not worried about as much because it's kind of it just doesn't apply. It doesn't come up. Mm -hmm. If you hear somebody uh, talking about, you know, you wouldn't want this little thing or that little thing to happen in a gunfight. It's like, man, that's the last thing that you're ever going to be thinking of. There's just no way. So uh, I hear a lot of people talking about a lot of things and. It just it's immediately clear to me that they've never been in real violence. Mm-hmm. They have no clue what it, it is actually like. And uh, <clears throat> just just watch where you get the information from on that side of the house, because it, it's there's so much nonsense out there. Mm-hmm. So. Much. Yes, there is. And it's but people's due diligence to like vet your instructor, vet your information. You've got to do your research if you don't. You're not making it any better, and you're giving more and putting more crap out there. We're letting yeah. the, the the muck still survive when it needs to be pushed out of the pond. Yeah, that's that's tough too, though. Like mm-hmm. you hear, you know, people set us back all the time. Uh, just just think about uh, trigger reset, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All those little concepts and techniques that that we know. Okay, people that try to get their craft to a very high level can teach it better to you because they've already went down every road, right? 
like someone who's really trying to get really good at shooting, they've already went down those roads to figure out what works and what doesn't. Someone who's already been in real violence, they've already went down those roads and found out what really matters and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So when you you have a lot of people coming up with uh, little little trinket stuff and and even just just as something as stupid as as reset shooting, mm-hmm. they those instructors or those people really haven't went down the roads yet to find out how to get really, really good at shooting. So they think that the thing that they're teaching is good. They just don't know what they don't know. So if mm-hmm. they're teaching reset shooting, they haven't, they haven't explored it far enough to realize that that's a flawed technique, that that technique leads to, to more waste than efficiency. You know, mm-hmm. all these different things that, until you find out when you're trying to vet instructors or, or see see if, one, they can do the thing, and two, they've been there or done that to what they're trying to teach you, and oftentimes less is more. Absolutely. Like, Make, think keep it simple, it. stupid. <laughs> yes. When you are fighting for your life, the only thing that can go into your brain is stupid stuff okay mm-hmm. like simple stupid stuff and, and when you listen to you know somebody like fisher he's not going to entertain all this little nonsense just gonna be like no that that's stupid you know let's mm-hmm. let's stop that right now that's silly this is all you need to think of just like uh malfunctions when you got instructors talking about level seven malfunction clearance and stuff like that. It's like, do you think for one second that anybody's going to remember all those little steps and stupid shit between this kind of malfunction, a level one, uh, a number, uh, an A malfunction, a B malfunction, a C malfunction, a D? Like, dude, get out of here. The thing mm-hmm. don't work. I'm going to beat the hell out of it till it does. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm going to unload it and then I'm going to reload it and then I'm going to go back to work. That's the stupid stuff that goes into your head. When you're actually fighting for your life, absolutely. So all that little that that tactical talk and all that stuff, man, it is it is useless. And it always comes from the people who have no idea what they're talking about, and they just want to be on that perch. And it it really is. Uh, and and sometimes the people have a background that I guess their resume, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I don't want to say certain things, but sometimes, you know, someone has a resume that says they know more than what they're actually, because if you're in it, let's say you're a military guy. Mm -hmm. Let's say you got this good military resume, but now you're teaching civilians and law enforcement how to shoot one teaching shooting classes about getting this actually is me editing this interview with joel and for some reason when i downloaded the minutes on this video and i really apologize guys we were just talking about instructors kind of staying in their lane and kind of vetting your instructor and it really cut out the best question i had and that was the uh, thing i stole from jedi's podcast um what's something that people can stop doing or start doing to get better and that's what he, um, summarizing it down. Joel said to learn to take seconds off and stop digging for those tents where you have seconds to gain. 
we've talked about that earlier in the show, but I do apologize for this. Um, some just, you know, mishap on the software download. I apologize, guys, and I hope you have a great day. And thank you for checking out Manny Talks Shooting with uh, Manny. I had Joel on this time from Applied Performance Shooting again. Uh, check him out on Instagram and YouTube. He's got two great channels to check out, guys. I really appreciate it. Until um, next time, get out there and be shooting. We'll catch you on the next one.